All right, let's take our Bibles tonight and go to 2 Samuel 15. 2 Samuel 15 tonight. As we've been walking through this Old Testament narrative, we've watched David now into his kingly leadership, and uh, there were a lot of good decisions made. In fact, the whole first part of 2 Samuel talks about him coming to kingship and God blessing him and just the the great uh, conquerings that happened uh, because of him following the Lord. And then we got into the middle there and, and we start to see his sin, his sin with Bathsheba and what that caused. And now, if you're joining us for the first time here tonight, we're really in the middle of all of that, the consequences of his sin. He's come back to the Lord. He has his faith fixed in the Lord, and we're going to see that even in, in the text here tonight. But because of his sin, there are consequences that he has to face. When we're facing consequences from sin or maybe circumstances in our lives, uh, we may feel sometimes like you know we have uh, vacated the walls of safety, so to speak. Like we are now in a very unsafe place because of everything that's going on in our life. But we can know, like David here tonight, faith in God does not need to leave us in that moment. Faith in God does not need to vacate. So let's take a look here at 2 Samuel chapter 15 and look down to verse 24. Verse 24, if you'll remember last time we, we saw a man who had every reason to stay out of this fight between David and his son Absalom, who's trying to take the kingdom from him. And his name was Atai, and he stayed faithful. And if you'll remember at the end of last week, we looked at the fact that uh, God's faithfulness to us teaches us how to be faithful to God because of God and who he is. And tonight, we're going to look at two other men who were faithful and a decision of faith that, that David made. Look at verse 24. And lo, Zadok also, this, this priest, and lo, Zadok also, and all the Levites were with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of, the, of God, and Abathar went up until all the people had done passing out of the city. I want to put this picture in your mind of what's happening. David has received word that Absalom is coming into the kingdom and that he's going to take over everything. And David says, no, we're going to get out. We're going to get out. I know what my son can do. He takes everyone out and starts passing over, over the river, getting everybody out of there, leaves 10 concubines behind to take care of, of the of the of the city there in the in the throne room and he says we are going to leave and now he's he's gotten himself out and they've brought the ark of the covenant and they've passed over the brook kidron and they set the ark down because they're waiting for everyone else to catch up they're waiting for everyone to catch up for for the king to be in place and whether they're going to make sacrifices or keep going they don't know yet but then david says Wait a second. Look at verse 25. And the king said unto Zadok, Carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. God's presence, his habitation. Tonight I want to look for just a few moments at the eye of faith. What does it mean to have faith in God when everything else around you feels like it's crumbling? Let's pray. Father, would you help us tonight? 
uh, just as we all are in different places in our life. And Lord, I don't know the personal uh, places in each one's life, but you do. You've brought them here tonight. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to them through your word or through this seemingly difficult narrative in David's life when everything is crumbling. Lord, I just ask that you would speak to our hearts in a very simple way tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. David here says, hey, stop, wait, set, pick the ark back up. These guys that have just carried it all the way across the Brook Kidron, just close to 15 to 20 miles away, he says, I want you to march back. I want you to go back. And this is, this is we see first, an action of faith. Send the ark back. God will be with me. He says, send it back. And I think just this verse alone could be a, a message in itself. It's so packed with truth. He, he says, carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. But if he thus say, I have no delight in thee, behold, here I am, or here am I, let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. There's three things I want us to see from just that verse alone, verse 26, is David realized that the ark was not needed for God's presence to be known. The ark was a place where God had chosen to inhabit, to be there, to be as a symbol to his people, just as the tabernacle was during the Old Testament, a place where Moses could go and meet with the Lord, just as in the days of the temple, God would be in the Holy of Holies, in the, in the, and the only the, the high priest could go in once a year and sprinkle the blood of a lamb on the mercy seat and pray for the sins of the people. There he would meet with God face to face, and if he had not done all of the cleansing, if he was not right with the Lord in his own life and had done the things that God told him to do, he would drop dead. And that's how holy and awesome the Lord was. And so here he says, I understand that this represents the presence of God, but I know enough to know that I do not need a thing to have the presence of God. I wonder if you think with me back through the history, if you've read any books about martyrs or any of the Fox's Book of Martyrs, any of the men that have died for the word of God in the past, they knew that they didn't necessarily need this with them to have the presence of God with them. Although it, the word of God is the most important thing, they knew that they could have the presence of God in the flames as they died or in, in any, any which way. They knew that they had God's presence with them. And this is what David is saying. Carry it back. Take it back. I have God's presence with me. The second thing that he, he, note, he notes to, to Zadok, the priest, is that the promises of God are sure even in the midst of trying times. He, he trusts that, that God's presence to him is very real, and God made a promise to him. He said that your, your line will go on forever. Your line will be the messianic line. He promised David, when David wanted to build the Lord's house, said the Lord said, no, you're not going to build my house, you're a man of war. But here, let me make you a promise. As we walked through that Davidic covenant together, he said, I'm going I'm to build your house, David. I'm going to make sure that your line lasts. And David here knows what God has said to him. And he's saying, God, even if that means it be through Absalom, 
Can you think about what's going through David's mind right now? Even if it's through Absalom that my my line is carried on, that means you're still keeping your word. Lord, that's not the way I want it to happen. And it's not going to happen as we know the end of the story. But here, as Absalom is coming and taking over the city, he thinks, Lord, I know that your promises are sure no matter what's happening right now. God's promises are sure in trials in our life that God brings into our life to test us. They're sure in chastisement when God leads us and gets us from where we are in our stinking pride back on the right track, and he has to correct us. And then his promises are sure even during the consequences of our past sins. God loves us. God cares for us. And as a father, he forgives us, and he has never-ending love for us. But he still cannot let sin go unpunished. So sometimes there are lagging consequences for our sin. You have a drunkard who comes to Christ, who, who finds forgiveness in Jesus Christ. He may still have the consequences in his body of what he's done to his body later on in life. He might have problems with his liver or other things that God allows because he wants us to see the, the true consequences for our sin. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't love us. He wants us as a father to come to him and be sure of his promises even during those times. But the third thing I I love about this verse, as he says, Carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord. Notice the end of this verse. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again. He'll bring me back here to Jerusalem and show me both it and his habitation. He understood this truth. Mercy is granted. It is never deserved. David clung to the mercy of God. If I shall find favor in his eyes, if he will have me to come back, that's great. But he is the just judge, and what he's doing here is just, even if it means losing the kingdom. We sang tonight, the Lord is good. Tell it wherever you go. We, we need to believe that, it, I should say this, it's easy to believe God is good during the good times, but it's not so much when everything's going wrong. And oftentimes we blame God or we blame other people when the consequences are really because of our, our sin. True faith is trusting and depending on God's, on the mercy of God while humbly realizing that you don't deserve it. Let me say that again. True mercy, or sorry, true faith is trusting and depending on the mercy of God while humbly realizing you don't deserve it. The second thing we see here in this passage, we see an action of faith, send the ark back, but the second thing we see is a message of faith. He talks to Zadok the priest and he instills faith in him as he's going back. He gives him a message of faith. He says, you are a mouthpiece for God. God will protect you. Let's look at verse 27. A king, the king said also unto Zadok the priest, Art not thou a seer? Return into the city in peace, and your two sons with you, Ahimaz thy son, and Jonathan the son of Abathar. See, I will tarry in the plain of the wilderness until there, there come word from you to certify me. Zadok, therefore, and Abathar carried the ark of God again to Jerusalem, and they tarried there. 
couple different applications that we can draw from just that short part of the narrative is that David challenges these men with their calling. He challenges them to stay true to God's calling on their life. He says specifically to Zadok, Art thou not a, art, art not thou a seer? What does that mean? It means a seer was was uh, the, the same thing. The word is used interchangeably in the Old Testament, seer and prophet. Aren't you a mouthpiece for God? Listen, you go back to the city. You are a highly respected person, even by an evil man such as Absalom, who wants to take the the leadership there. He is going to respect you and the Levites in your position. God is putting you there for a reason. You need to stay there. And so he's saying, stay true to God's calling on your life. And in our lives, God has called us for a purpose. To be his friend, to be in a relationship with God Almighty, to get to know him on a personal basis so that we can what? Keep him to ourselves and just until I get to heaven? No, it's so that we can share him with others and say, you know what? I know your father and mother didn't give you the best picture in your life, but listen, co-worker, listen, neighbor, that's not what the father is like. That's not who he is. And because I've read the word of God and I've gotten to know him for myself, I can tell you what my father is like. Are you at that place? Have you come to know the father that personally where you can tell of his holiness, of his grace, of his sustaining hand, of his help, of, of that, that he is your refuge that you run to in time of trouble. That's who our God is. So stay true to God's calling on your life to share him with other people and to help them come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that he can be their savior for their sins, that they don't need to trust in baptism. They don't need to trust in going to church. They don't need to trust in giving money to a church. They need to trust in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. Stay true to God's calling on your life. But secondly, he says, stay faithful in leading others to follow God. Notice at the end of verse 27, he says, return to the city in peace and your two sons with you, Ahimaz and thy son and Jonathan, the son of Abathar. In the Levite tradition, those men came to the temple, not just learning to be priests, but they were there dedicating their life to the service of a priest. And they were there to learn and to follow the Lord. And they were there under the discipleship, it seems, that of Zadok and and David just challenges him. He says, listen, you've got people that are looking to you, that want to see God through you. Focus on them and focus, focus on, on, on bringing them along with you to follow God. So stay true to God's calling in your life and stay faithful in leading others to follow the Lord in their lives. We see an action of faith by David, a message of faith. And then lastly, we see a friend of faith. Look at verse 30 with me. A friend of faith named Hushai. He's, he's going to say to David here in, in so many words, I will be humble and I will be your servant. Verse 30. And David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet and wept as he went up and had his head covered and he went barefoot. And all the people that was with him covered every man his head and they went up weeping as they went up. This was a sad day. He, he had lost the kingdom, so to speak, and Absalom was being hailed as the king. 
This was not a good day for anyone. And so they were mourning as they were having to leave Jerusalem. Verse 31, And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn thou the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. For those of you that don't know who Ahithophel was, that was the main counselor of David. So now David has not just lost everything, he's been backstabbed. He's been betrayed by his most faithful counselor. And in the Psalms, he writes about that. We've been through several of those Psalms. I won't go through there tonight, but he talks about my faithful friend who has lifted up his heel against me, the, the one who ate bread with me. And in the Psalms, that's a foreshadowing of what happened to Jesus when he was betrayed by Judas. Here, the Bible tells us of, of that word coming to David. David said at the end of verse 31, O Lord, I pray thee, turn thou the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And it came to pass, when David was come to the top of the mount where he worshipped God, behold, Hushai, the, the archite, came to meet him with his coat rent and earth upon his head. This faithful friend, Hushai, showed his faithfulness in humility to the king. Normally when you come to a king, you are coming humbly, but you are coming to deliver a message. Here Hushai comes with a totally different countenance. He comes in the same manner that David was coming to worship the Lord. He was coming with his outer coat rent, which meant great distress, and earth upon his head to show that he was humble. That, that was a, one of their traditions was to put earth on their head to show that I am, I, am, I am dirt in the eyes of the Lord. Lord, would you have mercy on me? And here he comes already in this condition saying, David, I want to make myself humble before you and before the Lord. I'm here as a friend. But he was not just faithful in humility to the king. He was faithful in obedience to the king. The king said, verse 33, unto whom David Oh, sorry, uh, Hushai speaks first there. Verse 33, unto whom David said, it, this is David speaking, forgive me. If thou passest on with me, then thou shalt be a burden unto me. But if thou return to the city and say unto Absalom, I will be thy servant, O king, as I have been thy father's servant, hitherto so will I now be thy servant. Then thou mayest, Then mayest thou for me defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. And hast thou not there with thee Zadok and Abathar the priests? Therefore it shall be that what thing soever thou shalt hear of the king's house, and thou shalt tell it to Zadok and the Abathar the, the priests. Behold, they have there with them two sons, Ahimaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abathar's son. And by them ye shall send unto me everything that ye can hear. So Hushai, David's friend, came into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. It's a little bit tough of a section to go through there, but let me just kind of bring it all together for us. He was faithful in being humble before the king, and he was faithful in his obedience to the king. It's not a perfect application here, but let me try to make a secondary application to our life. We need to show our faithfulness to our king who was so faithful to us. Our king will never speak to us in the manner that David said to Hushai, 
you cannot pass on with me. You're going to become a burden to me. So that's where it, it's, it's not a perfect application. We're never a burden to the Lord. But we need to be obedient to our king as well. When our king speaks, to know the faithfulness, to, to, to be able to have faith in our life, as David did, we have to be faithful to our king and faithful to our king's word. That's, that's where it starts. Romans 10.17 says it this way, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now that rightfully is speaking specifically to the gospel. You cannot be saved, you cannot come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior until you hear the word of God. Until you start to, to eat it up and you hear of hear that God says, I want, I want to save you. I have died for your sins. Your sins are sending you to hell. But my love and mercy drew me to the cross so that I could die on, a, on an old rugged cross for you. And I took your sin debt. And, and as we learn that through the word, faith cometh by hearing. Our dependence on him who died for us comes because we heard the word of God. But it doesn't stop at salvation. When we read the Bible as a Christian and we start to learn of the promises that he has in his word, what comes? Faith. Faith comes when we read the word of God once again. Notice that in a believer's life that gets away from the word of God, that's where doubts start to come. You give me a believer who is gotten away from reading his or her Bible and I will show you the same believer who is doubting God's love who is doubting God's goodness who is doubting who is doubting God's justice in a situation who's doubting God's forgiveness who's doubting God's plan all of the above that's when Satan can get in but God is almighty when we make the choice to hear God's word and to obey, we start to recognize the faithfulness of our God and learn how to be faithful to him, faith in God will never leave us. The eye of faith will be there. Even in the most tough circumstances, I cannot imagine what David was going through as his, his own son is coming and attacking. And as we're going to see in the narrative to come, a battle ensues where he and his son meet in battle and it is not going to be pretty for one side and we'll see that here in the days to come but let's take notice here tonight from this maybe a little bit tougher old testament narrative that we can have faith in god when circumstances are not necessarily going our way it starts by being in his word listening to his word being under the preaching of god's word and applying it personally to our lives. Let's pray.